I'll tell you my Paul Harvey story is I played golf. We were covering spring training out in Arizona on this fancy, fancy, fancy golf course at the Biltmore. And they showed this one mansion, and it was Glenn Campbell's house. And I said, wow, that is something. And then we got around the corner to the next one. There was one about three times the size. They said, that's Paul Harvey's. Really? <laughs> Good day. And that's um, the way it is. Samuel, uh, let us know, and we will fly. Oh, you're rolling. This thing's on. We, we already started and <laughs> don't know it. I'd be nice if you told me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, we're rolling. You ready? Yeah. The following is a Tony Lozano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Whew, man, you haven't lost. Here we go. You haven't lost a thing. You man. don't think I've lost it yet? You're, the, you're still the super facilitator. My goodness. Just... I know one thing. You're mad already because I yeah. said my name before yours. Well, look, I've learned to live with that now because I took time off to try to deal with that and to handle that and to see how uh, I could be cool while you did that. And, I, and I, I, my inner man said he probably won't do that anymore. He'll well, probably say with Steve Baskerville and me or something like no, that. No, there's a lot of ego sitting over yeah, here. Yeah, sure is. And right there, too. Yeah. But just for the record. <laughs> you know, uh, we've been gone. We did five shows, I think. And um, I thought they went pretty well. And, and I'm going to be serious for a second about where we've been in case people have been looking for it. And we did get pretty good positive reaction from our friends and family. Um, yeah. And not from Tony Lozano. He gave us a three every time. Is that what it was? I was on glad a, he added the two to that because I, I would have been nervous on, with whatever that. But I that's. think it was on a ten scale. That's that's <laughs> that's our running joke. I was, I'm glad he used three fingers. That's I'm, I'm going to be serious here. Um, I have another job at Arlington International Racecourse, the racetrack in the management on the management team, mm-hmm. and I was doing this, and I really enjoy this. I like talking to you. Because if I wasn't talking to you here, we'd be talking on the phone sure. like junior high kids, yeah. like we do for an hour a day. But I have anxiety, and the real kind. Right. It's not nervousness. Everybody gets nervous, but I have anxiety. Yeah. And I'm not embarrassed to, take the, uh, to admit that I, I take Xanax once in a while to okay. bring me down to where a person, where I feel like everybody else does sure. or should. Yeah. And what's it say on the bottles? Well, we've talked about this. Yes. So the folks don't think that we haven't, you know, discussed what's been going on for a while. But uh, what it says on the bottle is take as needed. Right? Yes. It says take one or right. take two or, and it gives you how many uh, a hours a day, but, but it says as needed. Yes. Yeah. yeah which, but is, as which, opposed, is, which is as really opposed to... As wanted. Take as wanted. Yeah. I mean, so, nowhere on there does it say, <laughs> take it as wanted. Take as wanted. Now, we're, we're, now, I wasn't taking as wanted. Yeah. I was taking as needed. But I really, I ran out of them. And th- this isn't like an opioid. It doesn't make you high. It just makes you feel normal. It right. calms you down. My mom took a form of it. So right. anyway, I was kind of freaked out. I thought I was having like a nervous breakdown. And so I had to take a break from the show. But I'm glad to be back because I really enjoy it. Well, yeah, and I don't want folks to think that uh, I'm sitting across from you making light of it because... uh, But you are. Well, (laughs) it's nice when you reach a point where you can joke and have fun about it and you know that it's not life-threatening or life-altering what you've been through. And millions of folks go through things like that 
where there are issues with medication yes. or issues with trying to stabilize it. And I kiddingly told you one day in one of our conversations, hey, were you taking it as needed or as wanted? Because it can get confusing right. as to how you feel and how to, how to control it. And I wasn't depressed, right. but I, I feel for people that have anxiety sure. and have depression and are dealing with these kind of issues. And the reason I bring it up, and we're going to have a psychologist on in a few weeks, and I feel for people that are going through yeah. things that are much worse than I. And, and you know what's interesting about it to me, Steve, is that you can look at somebody and they can they can be the life of the party. Not right. that I've ever been, but they can be smiling. Sure. And they've had a great job. And you look at them and you say, man, they got it made. You got it, They got it made. And you don't know what's going on inside them. Yeah. Right. Because every, you know, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't know how they're dealing with life away from how you see them grass is always greener all those old school uh sort of uh rules of life still apply so i'm just glad you're feeling better uh i'm glad that you realize that uh, as you look across at me that i'm one of those folks that's got it made <laughs> <laughs> yes you are the life sure. of the party yeah. you're smiling all the time yeah. Except when you came flying in and you couldn't find a parking <laughs> well, spot look, this morning. Yeah, I, you know, and you and I'm parking up on the tenth floor, and it's like ninety degrees outside. But that's all right. It's all good. It is all good, and it's actually going to get better because uh, we have a very special guest that uh, graciously has uh, agreed to join us today on our podcast. Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville, and that is a man that uh, is. In legendary status yeah. in Chicago and in Illinois, and a nationally known figure for his commercials and his great press conferences. And uh, can I tell you, a- I'm genuinely excited about this moment because uh, I, I have been a fan of the sport that he has been a champion of since I was a little kid, like a lot of other little kids across the country. And to have a chance to talk to this man. Uh, is really an honor for me. Yeah, why don't we tell everybody who this man is? It is the coach, Mike Ditka. Coach, good morning. How are you? Why would you send? Why would you give him the whole load? Give him the whole load. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly did. How's it going right now? How's what going? It's okay. It's Whatever's okay. Going, it's okay. I don't expect too much, and I don't get too much. It was going okay until you came on this show, right? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, everything's great. I'm just kidding. No, everything's good. Can't complain. Life is good. Well, Coach, it's good to hear your voice, and um, it's good to connect with you. I have always wanted to mention to you that uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I grew up in the southeastern part of it, of Philadelphia, and you grew up what I would call way out west, because people don't realize how wide the state of Pennsylvania is. But uh, there must have been something about where you grew up in that part of the state that produced all of this talent, especially in football. I mean, out west was Marino and Namath and Tony Dorsett and the coach. What was happening out there that turned out all these great football players? Well, you know, it was, it was a really a, a working economy. You know, everybody worked in the steel mill or worked in, on the railroad that service the steel mill. Everybody was basically in one of those industries. And, uh, you know, we, we all lived the same life. You know, it wasn't too complicated. You know, our dad went to work in the morning and we went to school and we came home and we, just like any other kid anywhere else, we played 
played football or baseball or basketball, or whatever it was we were playing, and and uh, it, it was good. I mean, we uh, a lot of it was self-taught because the more we played, the more we learned. But uh, we, I had great coaches. I had a great high school coach, and uh, uh, you know that that makes a difference. And, and it, when you have people who care uh, about you, even at the age of 10, 11, uh, we were playing in there for the Catholic school, and we had guys who were good coaches. And they cared about us, and they taught us the game of football. And we weren't very good at that age, but we, we, we learned it, and uh, it helped us later on. There's no question about it. Mike, when I came back to Chicago in television in 84, I was fortunate enough to be on the Mike Ditka show out in the audience. And uh, seems like a long time ago, because it was. Uh, time flies. What's the lyric in the song? I believe most people are good. Luke Bryan, and he says, I believe that... Days go slow, but years go fast. And it was a long time ago, but it was a, it was a thrill for me as a young kid. Uh, I want to ask you about those days and, and, and what it was like for you when everything blew up and everything came together and this team of characters and superstars uh, went out and just absolutely crushed everybody except Miami and won the Super Bowl in 85 and all these years later you're still legends can you believe it well i don't think it i don't think i don't worry about the legend thing but uh you know, we had one hell of a football team we had a great uh and you know we were led by our defense no question about it you know what buddy did with our defense was, <clears throat> was unprecedented because it hadn't been done before so people didn't know how to run an offense against the defense miami's the only one that knew it that you you couldn't block all the people who were coming, so you had to spread them out, and you had to make it hard for them to cover. And so that's what happened against Miami. But that's beside the point. We had great guys. We had a great, great football team. And when I got there in '82, uh, uh, I knew that the changes had to be made. And uh, and I think the first thing I told them, I got good news and bad news. Good news, we're going to win here. But the bad news, a lot of you guys aren't going to be here. And it was true. I I didn't say it to be malicious. Right. I said it to be fast. And that's what happened. And there was a lot of guys who weren't willing to pay the price. They went by the way, and we brought in some guys. And uh, the nucleus was already there with the Hamptons, and the, and then we brought in Dent, and uh, and we had McMichael, and uh, or Singletary, and Francis. And I mean, so many of them. I mean, they, they were all good players. I, I can't think of everybody right now. But uh, and we had to put an offense together. We ended up with a hell of an offensive line. Dick Stanfield coached them, and. Uh, you know, made a good tight end and Henry Moorhead. It wasn't great. He was good. He did what he had to do for us. Same with the receivers. Same with the quarterback. Same with the, the greatest running back in the history of the game. And then, and then fullback was pretty darn good, too, believe me. He was about as good as anybody I've seen in a long, long time. That was Matt Suey. So, you know, the cupboard was not there. It was a matter of uh, getting getting him on the right track and, and more or less getting them to believe that uh, why not the Bears? Was there any player on that team that was easiest to coach, if there's such a thing? Was, some, was there somebody that you thought, uh, that's going to be the last man standing that I can have this conversation with who's going to send that message to the rest of the team? Well, I, you know, they were all good. I mean, they weren't hard to coach. Nobody was. First of all, Buddy didn't put up with any BS. So, you know, they had to do what he said. Uh, you know, and you know, everybody laughed when we brought Fridge in, but the Fridge was a hell of a football player. Yeah, he got too heavy. There's no question about it. But when he was playing at his weight, he was as good as anybody in football. 
and he and he proved it. So you know, and you know, yeah, well, we had a gimmick. We ran the ball with him, but it wasn't a bad idea because I stood there and watched this guy run uh, the 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 ten uh, yard sprints for Buddy, and I, I he was as fast as anybody for the first three four yards. So I mean, why not? Why not put him in the backfield, let him block, put him in the backfield, let him run, put him in the backfield, let him catch the ball, put him in the backfield. Let him throw the ball. Well, that didn't work out, but the other three worked out. Hey, William Perry was an unbelievable athlete. And if people don't believe me, uh, first of all, he lasted. Uh, he went on to the Eagles. He played 10 or 12 years in the NFL. You don't do that by accident. But there is a there's a video when, when he was being tested up there of him in a standing position jumping up and back and off off of a table yes. that was probably three or four feet high. Yes. And, Steve, I know you've it's seen it. <laughs> Coach, I, I, I witnessed it live. We were, I was working in the morning news in New York, and, yeah. he, and the fridge came in as a guest that morning, and we had heard the legend of uh, of what he could do off the field right. athletically. And, it, and we brought a table out, and the man jumped about three or four feet off the ground flat-footed right up on the table and then back down again. And he was as sweet a guy as you'd ever want to meet. He was really, really a gentleman, just a, a southern gentleman, and I, I loved William Perry. And and people love Mike Ditka. So, Mike, I don't want to get too nosy, but people uh, know it was, it was in the press, and you did an interview with uh, one of the papers here about uh, you had a little episode with your heart during the off season, well, the off season during the winter months, which was you spend in Florida, um, how are you? I'm okay. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I say that, and, and you know, I'm not knowing, uh, you know, anything can happen. Uh, but I feel okay. I've got uh, a pacemaker now, and I've got some stints in, uh, about four stints. So I, but I feel good. I mean, I'm not going to run a marathon. I mean, those days are over. You know, I'm 80 years old. I'm not going to do all that stuff, but I feel good. Now, whatever that means, I mean, that doesn't mean you're not going to I have a problem, but I, I do feel pretty good right now. So, Coach, are you still able to, say, play golf or enjoy some oh, of yeah. the other I things? Play like? golf. Yeah. Yeah. I play golf. I don't, I don't, uh, I ride, but I don't walk. But I, uh, I don't, I don't push myself uh, beyond what I'm capable of. Believe me, I, I know what I can do and what I can't do right now. And, uh, you know, if it's 100, Five degrees out there. I'm not going to play golf. Can, can I take advantage of this moment? Coach, yeah. uh, for about a year now, I've been learning the game of golf. Howard smiles when I say that from time to time, but I'm, I'm getting better and better. I, I, what tip can you give me as a beginner about the game of golf? I don't know that there's one tip. You've got to have a swing, first of all. You've got to have be able to swing on a plane, you know, on, 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 a, on a normal thing. I think the most, the biggest mistake we all make is because we watch uh, uh, the good players and, uh, and how, how easy they swing and how far the ball goes. Yeah. And when we get there, we, we swing so, you know, you, you change everything. You try, to, you try to make the ball to go. It's a natural thing that the club is the only thing that can make the ball go. And the speed that you're swinging that club is what's going to determine how far the ball goes or how straight it goes. That, that's all there is to it. So I think when you figure that out, you get to be, you become a little better. Yeah. Uh, to be really good at golf, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I got to a point where I was good at one time, but uh, that's all gone. But I love to play. I love to play. See, I'm inspired already. A, I'm inspired just well, by that. Well, I'm going to give him a tip, Mike, and I think you'll agree with this. Uh, I'm a lot more like you than than you would believe. Uh, I I was, you know, a quote unquote athlete growing up, but wasn't big enough, fast enough. Um, 
you know, was pretty good at everything I did, but, you know, could never go into the professional level. But I played golf, and you know what I tip I would give? Because I used to get so damn mad, and I wasn't good enough to be mad, as the saying goes. And it ate me up as I played. And if I played poorly, it, honest to God, ruined the rest of my day. <laughs> so I would say, you got to take it easy. You're not a pro. Don't have too high of expectations. And if you have a rotten hole, make the next one good. Is that is that advice you would give somebody, I, Mike? I, 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 the last shot doesn't count. The last shot's over. The only shot that matters is the next one. You know, Coach. I mean, if, I mean you, you can... You can hit a bad shot, and you can make a great recovery, knock the ball in a hole, or knock it close, and yeah. and that's what the game's all about. You know, we just you get a big kick out of doing that. I, like I said, I'm, I'm never going to quit playing golf. If I can play, I'm going to play. If my health permits it, I love it. You know, as I sit here and listen to you, coach, do you do you uh, have any? Um, you sit down and, and look up and go, hmm, I ought to get back into TV, or I I ought to do more in this broadcasting. How do you feel about that? Is, is Where do you stand with, with TV again? Well, I, I've, I've been checking my mail. I haven't got any calls. <laughs> <laughs> Believe I, me, you I, would I, get I, them. Yeah. We I, just I, called I, you. Yeah, I know. But, it, you know, that was a great deal. Listen, I, believe me, I, I uh, of course I have some regrets, but, I, you know, it's been great to me. The game has been great to me. It's afforded me tremendous opportunities. Being able to be a part of the Bears all the years that I was is the biggest thing in my life, really. Uh, Mr. Hallis signed me as a player in 1962. He brought me back as a head coach in 1983. So uh, I, I think uh, that, that's pretty good. I mean, that, 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 he, that he had enough confidence in, in me uh, as, a, as a player, to, to be a player, and then to be a coach. It worked out great. So I, I'm... Uh, uh, you know, you know, without, without George Hallis in my life, I'd be uh, nobody knows who Mike Jessica was. Mike, uh, first of all, I'm playing football, and nobody ever played. Who ever heard of a tight end? I came into the league, and uh, Coach Hallis and, and a guy named Luke Johnson really created that position for me. And I had a quarterback named Bill Wade who loved to throw the football to me. God bless him. Mm-hmm. He loved to throw the football to me, and. Uh, you know, I mean, it was unheard of. My first year in, in the NFL, I think I caught 58 passes or 57 passes or something. It was crazy. I mean, the tight ends, all he did, he was a guy that lined up by the tackle and he blocked. But they, they made a receiver out of the position. And uh, and, and it, it really, it, uh, it changed, changed, well, of course, it changed the position uh, football because the tight ends today are unbelievable. They're basically tight ends today are like power forwards in the NBA. Yeah, I'm not a coach or anything, but I would say that uh, having a good tight end or a great tight end on a football team is one of the most valuable positions you can have on your offense. Would you agree? He makes, he makes everybody better. You look at Gronkowski. I mean, I know I know how good the quarterback is, and and, and uh, but they, you know they don't have a, a unbelievable running game. They got a great coach, but you know Gronk makes that defense honest. So you have these little receivers that get open, and and uh, you know. A good tight end, really, uh, I mean, I, I just think it's a very, very important position. It creates a, a situation where you can't double team. You've got to play people man-to-man. And when uh, when you do that, then if you're not good enough to beat the guy man-to-man, shame on you. Man, I sit here and wonder, what would it have been like to have Coach Ditka coaching a guy like Gronkowski? 
I think it would have been great. I don't, I don't think Gronk needed a whole lot of coaching. <laughs> no. You know, you, you understand what you have, and then you got you got to find a way to maximize the talents of that guy. What Bill Belichick has done, they maximize Gronk's talents. And, and then the, and plus you got a quarterback that, that might be as good as any quarterback that ever played the game, and that helps a lot too in Tom Brady. But I'm just saying that the, the guy's one heck of a football player. You know, and they say, well, he, he doesn't block. Yeah, he blocks, but his, his job is not to block. The block when, when he's called on the block, but his job is to get open and, and uh, to create mismatches on the defense. It does. Uh, Coach, you probably didn't hear the beginning of the show, but Steve and I have been doing this podcast for about uh, – We've, we did five of them and then took a break. And I was being serious for a second, which I'm not all the time, is that uh, I took a break because I work out at Arlington and I it was getting to me, doing doing too much. And I suffer from anxiety. And, and I, I'm saying that from a serious because there are millions of people that suffer from it. And I take Xanax once in a while. And I, I just, I, I'm not embarrassed. It's just, it just what I have and as I get older I, I it seems like I, I worry more and I, I wish you know it's easy to tell somebody relax and cool it but it, it doesn't work that way with everybody uh, I what I'm getting to is what if anything worries you uh, I, I don't know I, I, I try to I really have, I've got to a point where I try to put that stuff behind me uh, if, what, what, worrying is not going to change it. If you've got a problem, fix it. Change it. Do something in your life that's going to make that problem go away or get better. That's all I try to do. Uh, but you can. You know, I'm sitting around worrying about what about this, what about that. Yeah. Uh, I was sitting here worrying about not winning the lottery, but I didn't win it. But it didn't kill me. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you had a profession where. Uh, as an outsider, as a fan, looking at that job, a lot of folks would envy it, and then a lot of other folks would go, man, they're, 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 these coaches have the world on their shoulders trying to deal with all these men uh, on a team, uh, uh, ownership, uh, you know, upper management, and still be successful. And you combine, I mean, you, you did it. You, you thrive through well, all of that. Let me tell you what a big part of that is. You have to have leadership on your football team in the players. In the assistant coaches, you have to have quality people in that in those areas that are going to be, you know, help uh, help your team be successful. It, it's not all about one guy. It's not all about the head coach. I mean, I played for a guy I thought, uh, Alice, uh He had great assistant coaches. Then I played for Landry. He had he had very very good, outstanding uh, assistant coaches. You can't do it all. You got to have good people there who can teach and whose players believe in, and that's what happens. I mean, the defense we ran in '85, you can't run that defense, but our players believed in it, and Buddy taught it, and they ran it, and they made it work. Mike, when you <laughs> just mentioned, when you mentioned your '80, that that kind of shocks me. As I said, time goes on. Um, you're going to be around for a long time. So what, what motivates you right now, day-to-day? Day? What motivates you? You're a competitive man. I'm sure you still are. What, what motivates you as you get up in the morning? Yeah, I'm competitive, but I'm logical, too. I mean, I know I can't hit the golf ball like I used to hit it. But I, was, I just went out. I putted some, and 
I'll be darned. A couple of them went in, and you know, it makes it makes you feel good. I I, I don't uh, I don't know. You know, you you're gonna run the road. You're gonna, I'm gonna run the race the best I can until I finish it. And uh, and it's been good to me. I mean, I I've been blessed. I I'm not believe me. I've been blessed. I I, I like I said, uh, I have no idea uh, why uh, uh, Coach Hallis hired me when he did. But you know, again, he did uh, when he hired me as a player. I didn't. Hell, I would I would have been a defensive player, a linebacker, anywhere else I went, anywhere, and I ended up being a tight end because him and Lee Johnson designed this position called tight end. I got a guy named Bill Wade who loved to throw the football to me, so you know, it, I had a lot of help, and, and believe me, I, I was just I was just a guy that was was doing what they told me to do. Isn't it funny in life how you catch a break? You wrote a letter to George Hallis and said, "Hey, uh, coach." If you ever make a change, here I am. Would you consider me? And he made one. And he hired you, and that was your break. And I think everybody in their life needs some kind of a break. You got to take advantage of it when you get it. But uh, isn't it funny how random things can be? Oh yeah, but you know, listen, guys. You know, when I came here, it was it was it wasn't a lollipop. We got '83. We were horrible. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, we weren't good. 84, we were pretty darn good. 85, we were really good. But it was a matter of, of getting the right people in the right places and then getting them to believe in what we were doing. And I believe me, no one, no one admits more than me that we were a defensive-driven football team. Our defense and what Buddy did and what our defense did, it was so far ahead of anybody else. They had no clue what the hell we were doing. And yeah. I'm sure some of the players didn't at the time either. But you know, but we then we had an offensive. We, we we had the great Walter Payton, and we made the things work. You know, I you know I, I had I had good receivers. I had a speed receiver. I had McKinnon. I mean, I, I, had, I had a couple of tight ends were pretty good. But I had a hell of an offensive line now, and they practiced against our defensive line every day. That all that did was made them better. You know, Coach, I always hear these stories about how back in the day, back in the 60s, the 50s, the 60s, maybe the 70s, uh, that athletes, guys on pro teams weren't training and working out and as regimented as guys from a later era. Do you ever think about, man, we trained if, uh, much differently than these guys do right now? Did you Were you that uh, methodical about taking care of yourself as a player back in those days? Well, what, what happened, uh, we, we uh, Coach, Coach Landry hired a strength and conditioning coach. Um, I, I can't say his name now. He coached the Olympic team in weightlifting. So he came and he was a strength building coach for the Cowboys. And, uh, uh, you know, I had never lifted weights in my life, not even in college. And then we started a uh, weightlifting regimen. We got bigger, stronger, faster. All those things are true. To do it, but you know, just lift weights. You got to run. You got to do. So we go out run. We go out run. It'd be nothing to, 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 to for me and a couple of my teammates. We come in, we get dressed, we go out and run three, four miles. We come back in, uh, shower up, and we go to the meeting. Then we go out and practice when we when it's time to practice. I mean, and and that's what we did. Yeah, and of course, <laughs> and of course, you were you were not it, it staying up. You weren't staying yeah, up late on was, Saturday nights. Yeah, but he, yeah, well, that that came later. But that's <laughs> nobody says you're going to be smart your whole life. You got to have those bad spots in the road. 
Well, you took the road and smoothed it out. You know, when I first got to Chicago, uh, I was for, I told Johnny Morris that I was a, a sports fan since I was a kid, and one of the games that made me cry uh, as a as a kid loving football was when the Big Bad Bears beat one of my favorite players, and his name was Y.A. Tittle. Remember that name, Tittle? And you guys just... I remember very well what a hell of a football player he was. It, the New York football giants. Oh, yeah. And you and Frank Gifford uh, and that They bunch. were good. They were good. They were good. But that defense we had in, in 1963 was every bit as good as the one we had in 85. Huh. Yeah. It was. Bill it, George, I mean, Hall of Famers, Fortunato, uh, Larry Morris. I mean, I want uh, Doug Atkins. I mean, uh, Pat Fred Williams. I mean, we have some wonderful, wonderful players. Yeah, just think, Mike won a championship and an NFL championship in 63 as an assistant coach with the Dallas Cowboys and as a coach with the Chicago Bears. Mike, I want you to tell one story Johnny Morris told me, and I think it's been around. I just want to see if, well, I'll let you tell it so we get it right. Tell me about the the time, I believe it was in the L.A. Coliseum when the knucklehead fan ran on the field and I think you guys were in the offensive huddle at that time, right? Well, yeah, we and it was it was a hot day, and uh, actually we weren't winning that game, so it was just fans running around like a, a goddamn idiot. And uh, so he got too close to my huddle, and I stepped up and I necktied him, and then knocked him down. <laughs> so, these fans booed me; it was unbelievable. <laughs> and the guy had no right being out there; he was drunk. Right. He had no right being out on the field. Come on. Somebody, if you're working at the desk, I don't come in and, and jump all over your desk. <laughs> Let me work at my desk. Well, well you don't know Howard, Coach. How, uh, Howard has jumped and messed up my desk many days. <laughs> yeah, because you jumped on it. That's why. Yeah, Johnny told me that uh, you guys were in the huddle, and this, this, this guy comes out, and you said, uh, just a minute, I'll be right back. And you went over and, and cold cocked him, and that was the end of that. Yeah, well, it was really, you know, and then and then a couple of the, the ushers come out, and got him, and took him off the field. It should have been in the first place. All right, Coach. Well, we're not going to keep you much longer, but I want to ask you uh, one thing: as as you look back, all the things that you've accomplished, you've you've got your bust in Canton, Ohio, in the Hall of Fame. Um, what makes you? And you've done so many things that you don't talk about for for unfortunate people and and for charitable ventures you've done so many things you don't brag about it you don't look for you don't look for publicity because of it and you accomplished all this as a football player what in your life makes you the most proud of what you've done well i i, I think honestly in, in sports you know it has to be my career with the bears there's no question about it i mean i worked for Two of the greatest guys in the history of football, and, and, and Coach uh, Coach Hallis and Coach Landry. I mean, I had a great. And no one remembers a guy named Luke Jossos. He's the guy that coached me with the with the Bears. He was my receivers coach, and uh, he's the one that created the tight end position. I didn't. Hell, all I did was play it. You know, I mean, we lined up. I mean, the tight end lined up one yard from the tackle, and he, I, I would get knocked down into the to the defensive end. I couldn't get off the ball. So I said, look, I can't get off the ball. This guy's lining up on my outside, pushed me down in. He said, here, split open about three yards. And that was the beginning of it, really. The tight end started flexing open. Got a two-way release. I could go inside or outside. 
it changed everything. And then them big dumb linebackers couldn't get hold. <laughs> what about off the field? Oh, I don't know. I think you know. I've had uh, good things and bad, but I, I'm very proud of the wrestlers we have, and the partner I have, and the wrestler Jeff, and uh, uh, we, we've done some good things in that area. I mean, uh, it's been a you know, it, it, it's you know, it, you know, first of all, you know, you, you got to be bright enough to get into the wrestler business, but. We've been in a long time in Chicago. Chicago's been good to me. Uh, we have one out in Oak Brook and one downtown, and they do very well for us. So uh, I'm well, very fortunate, you know, that uh, that has happened. Uh, and, you know, and and again, it, it, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens because you get good people. You get good management. You get good, a good cook. You do the right thing. You treat the customer right. Those things, those things are very, very important. Coach, I'm sitting here, and I haven't eaten today. You have made me very hungry. What's Coach Ditka having for dinner tonight? Well, I just had a burger, actually, for lunch. <laughs> I had a burger. was not already for lunch, but I had a burger. And uh, for dinner? Yeah. Whatever my darling <laughs> Diana wants to serve me, it's okay with me. <laughs> or if you go to the restaurant... <laughs> Uh, and Mike's food is great. You get the pork chops. They are unbelievable. <laughs> they are, you know, but I've been eating a lot of fish. And we got, we, you know, our, our lake perch is as good as you'll get anywhere. Yeah, it and, is. And we, yeah, that's very good. I agree with that. All right, last thing. And I've asked you this uh, many times before. And Steve's heard me talk about it. Our late friend Gene Siskel ended many interviews like this. And I love this question. And it is a simple, well, it's not a simple one, but it is, what do you know for sure? Well, it's been a hell of a run. There's been ups, there's been downs, there's been overs, there's been ups, but it's been one hell of a run. And I don't know, in retrospect, that I would change very much of it. I think because everything is a learning process. And uh, maybe it didn't look too good to other people, but uh, I hope I learned from it. Well, it's been a hell of a run, and there's a lot more run left in you. Please come see me at Arlington. I've got a nice easy chair for you. Uh, I'll run your bets oh, for you. I'm a winner. I'll get you a winner. I'll get you a winner. <laughs> That's right. I know you got a pocket full of money. All right, Coach, thank you for your time. I'm glad you're feeling better. Take care of yourself and our best to Diana, okay? Great to talk to you, Coach. Thank you, guys. Thank you. The one and only Mike Ditka. Did you hear that beep there? He hung that thing up quickly. <laughs> it's time to go. It's time to go. He's been antsy for a long time. I, I've always loved to talk to Mike well, because he, he's got a great philosophy for life. Uh, Steve, and then for sports fans, I mean, what he's done in sports is just uh, incredible across the board as a player, as an assistant coach, as a mentor. Uh, just uh, he, he's always, to me, uh, been a phenomenal guy to talk to, so interesting, and uh, I couldn't love him anymore. Well, he's what, what gave the, the game flavor in terms of you know as a coach and as a as a broadcaster he made it interesting or he was one of those who helped make the game uh, as interesting as it is today and and he sounds great i mean uh, you know maybe mellowed some in terms of how reflective yeah. he is but uh, still uh, motivated enough to to have opinions about life and, and it was great great to talk to him yeah uh, i asked him this question so i'm going to ask you um first of all house retirement 
What are you talking about? I'm, <laughs> I drove. I'm not complaining, folks, but look, yes, I drove are. down here in the heat. One hour. It's like 90 degrees or so. And parked on what, like the 29th floor right. of a parking lot. And then Couldn't I'm, find the garage. And I'm, sit, I'm sitting in here with a room without windows, with a mic talking to you. Does that <laughs> does that sound retired to you? <laughs> it sounds like That's you're. It sounds like what? It sounds like you're in Shawshank. <laughs> That's what. It That's sounds. why I'm saying, Sonny, just put your put your papers down and do what you got to do. Yeah, Sonny, this is just a job. This is just a chance for you to get a fancy suit. So go ahead and stamp your paper rejected. Well, look, I just, ooh, you did that well. See, that's theater of the mind going on. I like that. Yes. Now, uh, really, I just want to, uh, as we close, it feels like closing time for some reason, the way that your voice got and your We're tone. We're getting there. But yeah. But as I mean, before we, we shut it down, I, I really do uh, appreciate what you shared with everybody about, you know, the reason why we weren't here or what you've been going through. And uh, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, uh, it, it shows that you've got perseverance and your own sense of courage and what it takes to, you know, to get back to where you want to be. Not well, that you were far away from that. I don't know that I have any courage, but I, the only reason I mentioned it was because uh, maybe it'll help somebody else. Yeah, well, it you, takes, know? you know, it takes courage. People to, to, that are going through things. Yeah. I've been pretty lucky in my life, Steve. I've been pretty pretty blessed like mike said things when i first got a job things came to me fairly easily and for younger people right now it it, it ain't so easy no it's not I so mean, in many different ways i understand uh as, as we said to mike that uh that we definitely need a break along the way hey i want to remind everybody about some of the other uh shows on the radio misfits network including losano and friends an OPI show, that is O-P-P-I-H. Join Tony Lozano and famous friends, his famous friends, for a casual comedic conversation about everything. And that's a lot like our show. Ours uh, is casual, but it ain't that comedic. Well, I'm glad that you appreciate it because I can't wait to do my <laughs> own spinoff from this show. So uh, that's my goal. <laughs> yeah. Is your phone ringing? <laughs> what did the coach say? He said, they ain't ringing yet. Yeah. Mine's, mine's not ringing yet. No. Exactly. I want you to, uh, I want I want to, as we close, I want you to tell a story. I asked Mike to tell a story. But this is this is one of the, we we've had the chance to to run into many famous people See, and when have you brushes. Start tell a story thing. I never know where you're going with. It. I well, that's okay. the point. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't want you to know where I'm going. Yeah. And you know, you know what? The interesting thing is, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. Well, that's what and I'm if worried you, about. If you've ever listened to this mess, you know that. Yeah. And that and and then you put me in the chair, and you call me the facilitator. Yeah, I didn't say you were a good one. <laughs> I think right. that's clear. All so, right. yeah. I want you to tell a story. You were working at the CBS Morning News in New York, mm. and one of your colleagues, a young woman, was a producer and was talking about going out to the Hamptons, which is the rich of the rich, for a holiday party to her aunt's <laughs> house, and she invited a friend along. See, already your story is twisted. Oh, is it wrong? 
But maybe I, I should like it tell. when people tell other people's stories. Maybe I should but. tell it because my my version, Your version is, is probably better. My version is interesting. Pick it up from there no, and correct it. No, the only thing that was wrong was that it wasn't in New York. It was here in Chicago. It was. Somebody, yeah, a, a young woman who was working at the station. This might uh, be the wrong story, but go ahead. In the art department. But anyway, um, you're talking about Paul McCartney. I blew it already. I blew it already. Because oh, I wanted to. You, I wanted blew, to, you gave the punchline. <laughs> I wanted to. Kevin, where's your. Where's your. That's like saying, and then the dog barked. Right. Oh, man, you blew it. Where, where's, no, your, I, you know, where's your concentration? You throw me all off with, the, with your intro to it. Oh. My, my, my concentration is okay, on the 29th floor. Okay, tell the story. Well, anyway, she, Even though you she and a friend of hers who was a, a schoolmate uh, were going to a Christmas party. And uh, uh, she, uh, along the way, she said, oh, i got to go over to my aunt's house and, because they're having this thing over there. And uh, it's like a family get-together, and it's on the way. So they went to this little gathering, and uh, when they rang the doorbell, uh, an old guy with a sweater opened the door and said, come on in. And he goes in, and the family's there, and he starts playing the piano, and he's got a guitar out, and he's singing Christmas songs, and she's looking at her watch. We're going to be late for where we got to go, and let's go. When's this man going to stop? And it finally he stops, and... Uh, uh, with his English accent, says good day and have a good night, and and realizes that when they get to the car, <laughs> that that the man was Paul McCartney. Isn't that great? Yeah. I mean, that she thought that Paul McCartney was just an old guy in a sweater. Right. She saw that. She saw. Oh my gosh, Grandpa's gonna get this guitar out and play yeah, a couple yeah. songs. Yeah. Now Grandpa's singing yesterday. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Uh, we want to remind everybody, be sure to tell a friend or many friends about Back to You, which is available online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow Back to You podcast on Twitter, and it is free. You can also get it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, where else, Steve? Uh, can you get it on iHeart? iHeart media yeah. yes you can get sure it in a lot can. of places yeah. but um it is back to you yeah, and so you look can for get, it if you look for me on on most uh, i could be on a street corner selling little tapes of them and, recorded it's, versions of them. <laughs> and it's free want to mention one other thing watch good in chicago that's a brand new web series which is an opi show and opi is hippo spelled backwards no negativity just highlights of some positive things going on in the city of Chicago. Brendan Greeley and Rashana Baldwin are good in Chicago. Now available at opishows.com. That's going to make Tony Lasano very happy. Steve, do you have any closing thoughts? Just that we're back. We are back. We are back. I, 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 after I say that, then we do the next one of, what, what four months from now? <laughs> no, we are back, and we're in full force and full swing, and uh, I don't know whether that's a good thing, but it feels good right now. And it's been fun, and it was yeah. certainly fun to talk to the coach. So, um, But if you got to have a, a comeback podcast after being away for a while, that's a great way to start again. All right. I'm looking through the glass of Sam Greenberg, and he's already saying, wow, you went way too long. And that was because of me. <laughs> Special thanks to Chief Engineer Chris Wake and Sam Greenberg, who's here today. Executive producer is who, Steve? I don't know. You're reading these things like Lane 4 is now open. It's Tony Lasano oh, with opishows.com, distributed, uh, distributed by Ed Silha. 
radiomisfits.com. And once again, an OPI production that is O P P I H Hippo spelled backwards. You are so good at What's these Baskerville announcements. spelled backwards? A good thing. <laughs> it's like Ali, and, and you know, I'm when Howard at, Cosell said, "Why do you hang around me, champ?" And he said, "Because it's a good thing." Yes. Yeah. I'm looking. Your phone still ain't ringing. No, it's not. All I'm right. Good. That's back to you. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. We'll see you next time. All right. Good night. Right here. Good day. Can I have the last word once? Go ahead. All right. The preceding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? That was it. I, it's over. Why are you looking at me and not saying anything? I wanted to give you the last word. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. We have a big guest on the phone, a Susan Bennett, the voice of Siri. We're big fans. We listen to you every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you just went into a recording studio and recorded stuff. The type of recordings that I did and, and all the other people like Alexa and Cortana, all the others, these are called IVR recordings, interactive voice response. And the scripts were made up of these phrases and sentences that were created just for sound. It's like... Uh, Fossa, ask Fossa, ask Fussy, or schist fresh issue today. <laughs> hey, hold on. You can swear. You can swear all yeah. you want if you want yeah. to say it. So it was, uh, it was really, really crazy. Now, do you have an iPhone? Yes. You know, the very first time I talked to Siri, I said, hi, Siri, what are you doing? And she very disgustedly responded. I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I was like, oh, sorry, sorry to bother you. Yeah, right. This is like a Twilight Zone <laughs> yeah, episode. Right. This, this is awesome. <laughs> Can you cut Rick and Dave a promo right now in Serio Voice? Like, no, how- not without money. The Tony Lasano Podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Rick, Dave, how do you think I'm going to keep my place in Palm Beach okay. without charging money for these things? Radiomisfits.com. If you missed Losano or Losano and friends, here's what you missed. Edsilla, the president, is here. The guy that's in charge of the whole network. So we have to be good, right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So far. So what's going on with the network? Anything exciting? We have a a thousand shows. I mean, there's a lot of them. We have a lot of shows. From Artie Lang right on down. Yeah, yeah. Name the worst show on the network. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Say it to his face. Just say it. Say it to his face. Yeah. No, no, I I dare anyone to find a bad show. There there is not a show on this network that I'm not proud of. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Radio Misfits. Get more. Lausano and Friends. Lausano. Now on Lausano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lausano or whatever it's called.